Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. If you have read the book on prayer, you know that I am a believer that God will send one final awakening to America. In fact, I believe we are in the entry level of that right now. One of the qualities of the Second Great Awakening was the so-called anxious bench. It was called the mourner's bench. It's what we would call in our vernacular today, the altar. It was considered then a newfangled method, but in the camp meetings and revivals, people would come to the anxious bench if they were loaded down with cares, with all sorts of issues, if they were ready to abandon an old life, they would kneel before an old altar and the weight of sin on their shoulders, the guilt of all they had experienced in life brought them to their knees. And with a great demonstration of conviction, tears, and sorrow, a divine encounter would follow and the burden and guilt of sin would be lifted. We are talking this week about overcoming, how we should live an overcoming life. But the name of that altar, the anxious bench, intrigues me because it's a concern to me, a grave concern to me, that people can't leave their anxieties behind. Figuratively, they're still seated on the anxious bench. How many times have I ministered and preached and I would speak of living the overcoming, abundant life. And I would see people with bowed shoulders, the weight of the world on their shoulders, people whose faces were etched with guilt and they struggled daily with self-condemnation. It has troubled me through the years that people live with great anxieties and great worries And somehow that fearfulness is now ingrained into their very lifestyles, become a part of the fabric of their daily lives. Though some of us have lived for God many years, we may still be seated on the anxious bench. We have no blessed assurance. We have no sense of freedom and deliverance. We struggle each and every day with the same old problems, the same chronic issues, the sin that doth so easily beset us. One of my favorite verses is Galatians 5.1. You may remember that church, though they had been set free by the blood of Jesus, by the new birth of the Lord, they had voluntarily stepped back under the law. They were back in bondage. And Paul asked this question, who has bewitched you. I think we face the same bewitchment today. Since when did we ever think we were good enough without Jesus? Since when did we think that it's Jesus plus something else in our lives? Our righteousness is in him and found through him. But Paul said in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand 
firm then. Don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You were set free for freedom's sake. So live in freedom, walk in freedom, worship in freedom. Step away from that anxious bench. Abandon it. Walk away from it. You've been set free from guilt, from shame, from rejection, from hurt and loneliness. Find that freedom that only Jesus Christ can bring and live in that freedom. You see, we have a lot of guilt-ridden people in the church, a lot of people who are fearful and worried. We are taught to judge not, but we engage in self-judgment each and every day of our lives. Now, if we've sinned, we confess that sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But all too often, it's not sin. We just don't feel like we measure up. We don't live in grace. We live in disgrace. Within you and me, it's as if there are three selves living and talking with inside of us. The ideal self, that's who we want to be, who we wish we were, who we someday aspire to be. Then there is the performing self. That's who we actually are. We don't measure up to our own expectations. We fall short of who we know we are to be. That leads to the third self, the punitive self, that little judge on the inside of us that punishes us, nags on us, beats us up and says, you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You're not spiritual enough. Punishment, rejection, alienation. That's the accumulation of guilt, and it puts us back on the anxious bench. Guilt and self-recrimination are bad habits because we live in a high-performance-oriented culture. You got to bat a thousand. You got to make straight A's. No deviations allowed. We have value if we produce. That's the trap we get in. Beneath the surface, there are a lot of guilt trips. It's someone struggling with not living up to their own expectations of themselves. I want to make this plain. If you have true guilt and remorse over unconfessed sin and failure, take it to the Lord. But never fall prey to false guilt. The wouldas and the couldas and the shouldas. How? How, pastor? How can I overcome this false guilt? guilt that keeps me on the anxious bench. In John 8, there were four I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ. In each, he claims to be Jehovah God. In each, he provokes the religious world to look afresh at who he is. Then in verse 28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know who I am. Jesus spoke of the cross and he spoke of the power of the cross that he was to die for the sins of the whole world. He was telling them, when you do your worst, God will give his best. When I am crucified, then you will know. You will know that I am the Lord God Almighty who redeems. I am the one who was wounded for your transgressions, the one who was bruised for your iniquities, the one who saw you when you like a sheep went astray the one upon whose shoulders were placed the iniquity of all of you. No wonder John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When we get too far 
from Calvary in our own mind. We get too far from the one who frees us from our sins. We stray from the freedom found in him. And that's when the guilt starts appearing and the anxiety comes back. Guilt is the absence of love. It's man's refusal to receive God's love and to love God in return. It's our failure to love ourselves as we are loved by him and to love others as he loves you and me. Before Calvary, there was a cross in the heart of God. Long before David captured a Jebusite fortress and the city of David came into existence, there was a cross in the heart of God. Long before the New Testament, long before the law, the Psalms, and the prophets, there was a cross in the heart of God. Long before creation, from the foundation of the world, before man was ever created, the lamb was slain in the mind and plan of God. But we didn't see it. We couldn't realize it until the cross was lifted up. And then we knew that's how much he loved me. And Jesus said, when the cross is lifted, I will draw all men to me. The cross has magnetism. It draws from us the power of sin and death. It lifts us. Love lifted me. We used to sing that. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, and our greatest need is to be lifted, lifted from sinking sands of guilt and shame and rejection, to be drawn away from the anxious bench, and to realize that He loves us. He really does love us. Wasn't the great message of the many, many songs of Calvary and the blood that the cross became the moment that we could exit the anxiety? We didn't need to walk around with that judgy self on the inside of us saying, we're not good enough. No, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ elevates every person saying, you're good enough for the creator of the world to enrobe himself in flesh and die for you. Why do you have anxiety? You can leave that all behind. One of my favorite authors from a century gone by is James Stewart. He said, mankind has two basic needs in life. We need an intervention and we need an interpretation. And the cross meets both needs. God intervenes in our darkness. God interprets his grace as the answer to man's guilt and anxiety. I used to love driving the late Nathaniel Urshan around when he came to Texas to preach. He would like to talk about the old timers of the faith, and one of them was G.T. Haywood. He would tell me how Haywood was driven into a season of prayer and fasting, and he spent a week in his office isolated from everyone else. His wife would bring meals to the door that would go untouched. It's a difficult time in his life, and I guess we've all been there. But Haywood emerged from that trial with a song, a song that would lift the heavy weight of many through the years. That Sunday morning, he walked to the pulpit and he began to sing the song that God had given him in his darkness. Here's the song. Today, no condemnation abides to turn away my soul from his salvation. He's in my heart to say, when gloom and sadness whisper, you've sinned. No use to pray. I look away to Jesus, and he tells me to say, I see a crimson stream of blood. Those waves are still sweeping over each and every 
one of us. Because the cross renders the verdict of another world. That you can get off the anxious bench. You can find the blessed assurance that Jesus Christ died for you and set you free. He took your sin, my sin, on his shoulders when he went to Calvary. Jesus said, as soon as the cross is lifted up, then you will know who I am. I am the one who can forgive sin. And since the fear of punishment is gone, since the fear of rejection and the doubt of self-worth are vanquished, the cross shows our actual value and worth to God. He died for us, and there's no limit that he wouldn't go to to win us back. I began by saying in the Second Great Awakening, there was a phenomenon called the anxious bench, when people who felt so weighted down would either kneel or sit on the anxious bench. The Lord would meet them there, and when he met them there, it so revolutionized their lives that it touched everyone in their immediate surroundings, their families, their friends, and communities. I believe we are on the cusp, if not already in, the final awakening that God is sending to this world. Maybe, just maybe, we need to leave the anxious bench, and we need to cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, because he's the one that has set us free from anxiety. We have overcome fear through the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. The book on prayer is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.